0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Miss Findependent channel. I feel like I haven't done a solo episode in a while, but I'm pumped to be here and I want to share an update with you guys. Finally back home in Toronto, I took some time to reconnect with what I want to do, um, understand the value that I want to provide for you guys and really get a sense of where this page is headed and what I want to do next. And if you haven't signed up already, I'm doing a virtual introduction to investing webinar on May 18th at seven o'clock, spots are filling up pretty fast and it's limited capacity. So make sure if you're interested that you register as soon as possible. I've also just opened up some coaching slots. So if you're looking to get some personalized support, I'm here and happy to help. It's on an application basis. uh, So not everybody's going to qualify, but the goal is to help you unlock a growth or opportunity mindset where you're able to move away from operating from a place of fear and unlock all of the magic that's within you. I'm also going to help you understand what your current financial situation is, teach you how to invest, and to build proper systems that are going to help you succeed. Okay, with that being said, I'm pumped to jump into today's episode, which is all about what's going on in the economy right now and actionable tips to help you deal with everything that's going on. The first thing that I want to talk about is inflation. And inflation's been top of mind for so many people right now because we're actively seeing this in the economy. So inflation in Canada is at a 40-year high. It's at 6.7% as of right now. In the US, it's 8.5%. These are astronomical numbers. In my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this. And it's super visible because when you go to fill up gas, when you're going to buy groceries, you're seeing the increase in prices right in front of you like gas just now hit almost two dollars a liter and i'm sorry for all my u.s folks i don't know what that is per gallon it probably depends on where you are in the u.s because places like texas probably have cheaper gas but the fact that it's astronomically high right now a lot of it has to do with the geopolitical conflict that we're seeing but inflation in general is affecting almost every industry so there's a couple different areas that we can look at and the first is going to be prices Prices are rising at the fastest rate that most people have ever seen, and there's no telling when they're going to slow down. Used cars are up 41.7%, gasoline is up 38%, energy is up 25.6%, and 9 out of 10 people in the U.S. have felt inflation take a bite out of their wallet. The more categories that inflation starts to permeate, the more it affects the economy. But now what's happening is as inflation starts to affect more and more industries, it's going to be harder and harder to get rid of. Think about inflation like an airplane that's about to take off the runway. So once it gets enough speed, it's already up there and it's so hard to turn that plane around. That's what's happening in the economy right now. One thing that that I've noticed um, is that The price of energy has gone up significantly. So as a result, some landlords are increasing the price of rent. And this is going to affect people because the cost of shelter is going to go up. The cost of food we're already seeing going up. Workers are trying to get a raise that matches the rate of inflation. But a lot of companies aren't offering that yet. And so people have to fight with their employer in order to get a raise that at least matches what the rate of inflation is all of that basically means that inflation is probably going to be here for longer than we anticipate and there's supply chain issues that are also impacting this and even if they ease up a little bit we're still going to see some of the negative effects of inflation continue there's also a big global traffic jam which I've talked about at length but supply chain shortages and issues haven't gone away they're still very prevalent in the market specifically with china artificially inflating shipping prices and they have a zero covid policy so in march they went on lockdown again and that caused um, significant backlogs again so a lot of these supply chain issues aren't going to be resolved anytime soon number two is the job market and the job market's still pretty hot right now which is a good sign nothing's highlighted how interconnected the u.s economy is more than the pandemic has And the pandemic has significantly impacted the job market and the job market impacts the economy. So everything is kind of connected in this big loop. The workforce right now isn't fully back to its pre-pandemic levels. There's still some issues with supply and demand in specific industries. Employers have made significant progress. So about 90% of the pre-pandemic jobs have been recovered, but there's still that 10% that haven't been able to be recovered. The sooner that employers can fill those positions, the better the outlook is going to look for inflation. But the thing is, companies aren't having an easy time filling those empty slots. About 2.7% of the workforce, or close to 4 million people, quit their jobs in 2021 and this was coined the great resignation which I've talked about a little bit basically a mass exodus of people leaving jobs that they don't want to work places that they aren't valued and that 2.7% of the workforce they aren't leaving the workforce altogether they're just finding new opportunities that better suit them so during the pandemic a lot of people were concerned for the the safety and health of their loved ones so a lot of people that were working on the front lines exited and went into positions that allowed them to work from home, like they were taking call center jobs and positions that allowed them to prioritize safety first. People are still retiring. So there's a lot of data that speaks to this in the US. I haven't been able to find as many stats for Canada, but 2.6 million more people than usual retired during the pandemic. So a lot of people went into early retirement. And I think a big part of that is is the lack of caretakers and people wanting to be at home to take care of their loved ones especially because our population is aging and a big thing with the job market what employers are doing to fill some of those empty slots is they're boosting wages but not in every industry and people are affected by this disproportionately so for the lowest paid workers wages are up 11.7 percent which does beat inflation which is a significant boost but that's because those roles are the hardest for employers to fill right now Wages are also up 4.25% for the country's highest paid workers, which is a good sign as well, but the wage increases aren't affecting everybody proportionally. There was some data from the U.S. Department of Labor that showed that Black unemployment is twice as high as whites, and Hispanic unemployment is 1.1 percentage points higher than their white counterparts as well. So people are disproportionately affected by the state of the economy right now, and that's in the data okay the third is interest rates so we've heard that the fed and the bank of canada have been raising interest rates but what does this mean for you and i as inflation soars and the labor market tightens the fed is also raising interest rates and it's the biggest move that they've made since 2000 many people myself included haven't seen the fed be this aggressive with raising interest rates in the past i'm going to talk about the fed or the central bank because they're pretty much the same thing, but a lot of the U.S. stocks are predominantly affected by the Fed raising interest rates, not the Bank of Canada, evidently, although they are somewhat linked in their strategy. So people are expecting the Fed to raise interest rates by three points this year, three full percentage points. That's what's been factored into the market. The Fed hasn't adjusted interest rates that much since the 1980s. And that was actually the last time that inflation was so high and was such a big problem. Just now they raised the rates by 0.5% or 50 basis points is sometimes the lingo that you'll hear. Investors are worried if that means that there's even more massive hikes on the table and they're concerned about there being a 0.75% or three quarter percent rate hike in store for June. So controlling inflation is like top of mind for the Fed. This is what the Fed does but the danger is that the Fed is going to control the economy so much so that instead of just slowing down inflation, it fully slows down the economy and it leads to a recession. So there's a fine balance between overdoing it and doing it just enough. And the economy is such a fickle thing. There's so many different factors that affect it, like supply chain issues, for example. That's not something that the Fed can fix with interest hikes. That's completely outside of the fed's control yet that's impacting inflation as well so the economy is kind of at this point where it doesn't need training wheels anymore but just because it can ride on its own doesn't mean we need to take them off right away because then it's going to steer off path so what the fed needs to do and maybe i should give them a call and let them know but they need to ease into this because otherwise we're going to be in a tough situation The fourth big thing that I want to talk about with what's going on in the economy right now is the yield curve. And the yield curve is a major signal to investors. So investors, we don't have a crystal ball, right? Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen, but the yield curve is the next best thing. And that's because the past 22 recessions have been predicted by the inversion of the yield curve, although sometimes that's correlation more than causation. The last time the yield curve inverted was in August of 2019. But what happened after was the pandemic-induced dip in the market. And although it wasn't a full recession, it was definitely a market correction. So it's a signal that's worth watching. Even though sometimes it does have false positives, it's something that's predicted 22 different recessions. So that's why investors are so adamant about noticing trends. Sometimes, this is kind of like a what came first, the chicken or the egg situation, where the yield curve doesn't predict a recession, but it's a catalyst for it. So investors start to see the yield curve invert, and then they start to make decisions based on that, based out of fear. With the yield curve, you can easily visualize how institutional investors how much they're earning from short-term and long-term bonds by investing in u.s treasuries or buying government debt okay so the yield curve inverted on april 1st of 2022 which is a recession indicator but what i want to do now is talk about seven different ways that you can prepare for a recession first you want to get a snapshot of your personal finances You want to know the total amount that you have in savings, in debt, and in your investment accounts. You also want to take a look at your budget, and I'll get into this a little bit more in detail. If you look at the increases in the price of gas and the price of food, you want to factor that into your budget. You need to really understand how much money it takes you on a month-by-month basis in order to just sustain your current lifestyle. So take everything into account and update your budget. Then a really important thing that I actually just did recently is you want to take a look at your investment accounts. So whether that's your 401k, your RSP, your TFSA, you want to see if you have any cash, anything that hasn't been invested sitting in those accounts. You probably do, so definitely, definitely check. While you're at it, You might want to take a look at what your APY is or your annual percentage yield for each one of those accounts is as well, just to understand the money that you have invested, what it's actually bringing for you. And if you're in a negative right now, in the red, don't freak out, don't panic. Almost three years of the gains that I've made have been wiped out by the recent correction. So the big thing is markets will always recover. They're cyclical. And if you have a long-term focus, even though you're seeing red and you might be bleeding, Separate yourself from that and just keep that long term focus at the top of your mind. You want to be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. While we're talking about APY, you want to look at another metric APR or annual percentage rate of interest for all of your debt accounts. You definitely want to know if your debt is fixed or variable, and you want to know what amount or how much you're paying in interest every month. Then, a big thing. That I talked about a little bit in the beginning is you want to see what money you have coming in and coming out. You want to be aware of inflows and outflows. And the goal of doing this, especially now, is you want to understand how likely you are to survive in a pretty fragile environment. When you do this, you also might find ways to eliminate that pesky debt. And you might have some extra cash, whether it be in those investment accounts. Now, that's something that you want to be mindful of because certain accounts like an RSP, for example, you can't take money out. You're going to be penalized for that. You, you can still take it out, but you're going to be charged tax at your current tax bracket as if you're adding income. Number two is you don't want to pay attention to market volatility if you're investing for the long term higher interest rates typically cause dysfunction in the market and that's partially by design like when the fed raises interest rates it wants to tighten market conditions and it wants to soak up some extra liquidity in the market and this is exactly what's happening right now where the s p is down 13 percent year to date because investors are baffled by the concept of raising interest rates but for long-term investors people that have a long-term focus that Short term market volatility that I always talk about is so insignificant because years down the road, you're going to look back at this moment and you're not even going to notice it. If you're investing for the long haul, you're always going to go through moments like this where you're dealing with booms and busts. So it's just a natural, natural part of investing. And that's why I always, always, always preach starting early because you've got so much time to ride out all of these curves. And one thing that I always talk about is you've never actually incurred a loss until you sell so better yet instead of focusing on selling your positions you could use this as a buying opportunity so if you're thinking about whether or not you should save or you should invest if you're saving right now you're going to be significantly affected by inflation but if you're investing investing can actually help you beat inflation And you're going to have to take some risk, right? There's there's no reward without taking a risk. So if you are focused on investing and growing your wealth, that's something that you need to think about. What amount of risk are you comfortable with? And there are ways to figure that out. Number three is thinking about your career and your income opportunities. So you know the saying, there's no better investment that you can make than an investment in yourself. Right now, I strongly agree with that point. When the cost of living rises, the best investment that you can make is into increasing your income. So right now, you can take time to take trainings, take courses, take workshops, learn things that are going to help you level your skill set so that you can stay employable. Joblessness, like when you lose your job, whether it's through layoffs, usually that happens in a recession, is one of the biggest factors that's going to affect your wealth. Number four is know the difference between good debt and bad debt, which I've talked about before. And the goal right now is to eliminate bad debt. Bad debt predominantly is credit card debt, but it's any debt that has a very high interest rate. So in the first exercise that you do, where you take a snapshot of your finances, you want to be aware of the debt that you have that has the highest interest rate. Right now, especially, you want to work towards eliminating that. So if you own property, And you have a fixed mortgage rate you're going to be safe when the fed raises interest rates if you've got a variable mortgage like me for example i came into this completely knowing what the risks were and i'm okay with the risk that i took but what's happening now is as the fed raises interest the portion that i pay down of my mortgage is actually lower than it was before so more of my monthly payment goes towards paying off interest so although the total amount doesn't change The amount that actually goes towards my loan does, and more goes towards interest. And when I talk about bad debt and high interest debt, normally that comes from a credit card. So the average credit card interest rate is 18%. So if you're borrowing that money and you're not paying off your credit card in full every month, you could potentially be costing yourself thousands of dollars throughout the year or hundreds a month that are unnecessarily going towards interest and you can easily avoid that if you pay off your credit card but while we're talking about debt another big thing with debt is good debt like a line of credit if you've got a fixed line of credit which means you've got a fixed percentage on that money that you can draw and that's a relatively low cost debt that you can actually leverage against and use it as a hedge against inflation So simply put, if you can draw money from your line that's got a fixed rate and put it towards saving or investing, that money might actually be used better. So for example, if the rate of inflation is 6.7% and you know that any money that you contribute into your savings account is technically going to be going down 6.7%, but your cost to borrow is 5%, then you're beating inflation by borrowing. And the goal is that you're paying off that line of credit eventually but ideally when inflation subsides so the real value of that debt is actually going to decline in an inflationary environment and since debt is a liability when the value of debt declines you're making money basically all that means is that using levered debt during an inflationary time becomes way more affordable number five. Work on boosting your credit score. If there's a factor that inhibits your ability to borrow at a good rate, it's your credit score. Most of the time, financial companies are going to save their best rates for people that have the highest credit scores or are considered safe borrowers. And improving your credit score just means paying off your card in full, not paying just the minimum payments, trying not to carry a balance... And minimizing the amount that you actually have on your credit card versus the total space that you've got on your card. So, for example, if my credit limit is like $15,000, let's say hypothetically, ideally you wanna be using less than 30% of that. And if your credit card company gives you an opportunity to raise that space, take it. That is definitely something that's gonna help you build your credit score because the more that you raise that space, and use less of it your credit utilization is low so that's going to help you improve your credit and the higher your credit is the more you're deemed a safe borrower the more you're considered a safe borrower the better interest rates you can get when you're taking out a line of credit or if you're getting a mortgage so those are definitely things that are going to set you up for the future and things that you want to be mindful of number six is although i've talked about investing saving is still super critical so don't forget to save when you're in this kind of environment when the interest rate on like a high yield savings account is next to nothing for example or inflation is is very high people might be hesitant to save but it's still super super important to save and sitting on a pile of cash can actually really benefit you in the future so let's say um there's a fire sale in the market and you've got some extra cash on hand. You can then allocate a portion of that savings to your investments. But you do want to make sure that you've got at least three to six months in an emergency fund saved, ideally six to nine months, but that's incredibly difficult to have six to nine months of Um, You know, your daily expenses, including your rent, including your car expenses or public transit and food saved in an account that you're not touching. I know that's that's a lot to ask for. So that's why I think three to six months, if you're fairly young in your career, is a much better start. And having that makes you feel safe and comfortable in case you lose your job, which does happen in a recession, right? There's a lot of layoffs. So saving is absolutely fundamentally critical during this kind of environment. And with saving you know you don't necessarily need to be contributing constantly but you do want to set up a system to add more to that account over time. So if you're adding a little bit chunk at a time automatically putting that away from every paycheck you're going to get to that six even six to nine months sooner than you think and it's going to make you feel so much better. It's going to relieve an insane amount of financial stress um, and just take a load off of you. So do it bit by bit. You don't have to do it all at once, but it's definitely something that you want to do in order to set yourself up. The other thing that you want to think about is sometimes people ask me like, why would I want to have six months of cash on hand? Well, if an emergency happens, if something makes it so that you're unable to work and you don't have any cash and you don't have a line of credit or parents or people that can support you, which a lot of people don't, then you take out money from your credit card and the cost of borrowing on a credit card is 18%. So think about the fact that you're saving yourself 18% interest by having an emergency fund. Number seven, and this is the last tip, is recession proofing your finances. So if you are investing, you want to make sure that you're diversified into all kinds of different sectors and industries and you're not just investing into growth stocks and you know, technology companies, because you look at what's happened right now, those are the companies that have been hit the hardest, right? Peloton today posted something on Instagram. It fell 94% below its all-time high. So when it IPO'd in 2019, it was trading at $29, and today it was trading at $11. So that goes to show that ideally you want to diversify your portfolio across multiple sectors, across multiple industries, and buy companies that you know are going to succeed in the long run You want to focus on things like ETFs or index funds, not necessarily sticking to one asset class. Everybody is going to do this differently, so I'm not going to offer any financial advice. This is solely for educational purposes, but you want to do what's right for you. And the big piece of advice that I have is that you want to diversify. And when it comes to recessions, they're not always as severe as we may think. We talk about the Fed for a second and interest rates. The harder the Fed pushes the brakes on the economy, the harder it's going to slow down. But recessions aren't always as severe as people think. Like with the coronavirus pandemic, there was a pretty big slowdown in March of 2020. But look at how the economy rallied and bounced back. We need pullbacks. We need downfalls in order for people to have opportunity to actually see gains. So if you take away anything from this episode, I want to make sure that you live below your means, you're aware of what your financial situation looks like, and how the economy and all of these things are going to impact your situation and you want to make sure that you're financially prepared for a recession for joblessness and saving and having a strong emergency fund there's always going to be factors that are outside of your control that affect the economy so you want to make sure that you've got a clear focus a clear strategy and you want to make sure that you are fully aware of your financial situation i hope this episode brought you some clarity some calmness in terms of knowing what to do next Uh, the way that i'm playing it right now is i'm continuing to buy stocks i'm averaging down on some of my positions staying invested i'm not panic selling and i know that this is going to be an opportunity to potentially make a lot of gains in the future during march of 2020 when there was a big dip I was preparing to invest in real estate, so I didn't have as much of my cash going towards my investing accounts that I would have liked to. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So what I'm consciously doing is anytime there is a market dip, I am aware of what that looks like. I have Excel sheets where I can track and I know the average cost of my positions and some of them I'm adding to, buying new things. There's always going to be factors outside of your control that affect the economy. So tune out the noise. And if you're like me, I'm staying invested. Thanks for hopping on today. Until next week. Ciao.